Revelation chapter 1. It's the recurring theme through the book. Jesus certainly hammers it home in chapter 22, but look in Revelation chapter 1 where we started in verse 1. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, okay, that's cool. What are we supposed to do that with that? Which God gave him, okay, that's nice to know, to show his servants. Who's that? That's us. Things which must shortly take place. I hope we believe that. I hope something's happened in our lives since we started to where that is stirred up in our hearts way greater than anything else. Verse 3, blessed is he or she who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. We've seen things like this all the way through. Father, this morning as we turn our hearts to your word, Lord, you've got to stir these things up. Lord, we don't want to become lazy. We certainly don't want to become sleepy. But Lord, stir these things up that they would become such a a part of our fabric as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, we've got to own this because you own us. We've got to own this. So Lord, please, Lord, search out our hearts. Find that peace or that place of good soil where your word can settle in this morning. That fruit might be born. That roots might be established. And that others could partake of that fruit. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And you can be seated. Amen. It seems like there is a fascination today, or maybe always, with people's last words. Like, hey, were you there? Yeah. What did he say? What did she say? And I guess I can kind of understand that. And as we bring this book of the Bible to a close in Revelation chapter 22, we will discover the final words of our master. So let's jump in. Chapter 22, verse 1. Here's how it reads. And he, the angel, who's been carrying John all the way through this journey, showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Have you ever seen a river up in the high mountains that's clear? Man doesn't travel there, but you got to go way up there. Well, you know what? That's nothing compared to this river that's clear as crystal. We saw last week the city's made of pure gold, so clear you can see through it. And now this morning, the water that proceeds from the throne of God, it is clear as well. Amazing. Amazing. As you clue in on and we're going to have a little test this morning in verse 1. How many thrones are in verse 1? How many thrones are in verse 1? Somebody tell me. There's one. If there is two, what would the word be? Thrones, plural. Okay, and uh, how many gods are listed in verse 1? One. One God to you and me, two to the false religions. Just kind of remember that. The Bible teaches all the way through that Jesus is God. Verse 2, in the middle of its street, okay, so listen, um, there's this tree, so there's no cars there, so no one has to worry about running into the tree that's in the middle of the street. In the middle of the street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. Can you say variety? You got 12 different ones on one tree. It appears there's some measure of time in heaven, certainly not like we know it today. It says every month. Of course, that means something totally different in eternity. 
It also appears we have the opportunity to eat in heaven if we choose to. We saw Jesus eat post-resurrection. It also says here that the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. What is that? I have no idea. You can have your guess because there are a plethora of guesses out there, so you can guess too. Please notice that this incredible tree is being fed by the clear as crystal water that flows from the throne. That's what's feeding it. Now, where in the scriptures, another test, you know, it's kind of like school this morning, at least in the beginning. Where in the scriptures does this tree first appear? The tree of life. In the Garden of Eden. So as you consider the G-O-E, okay? Because, you know, everybody abbreviates everything today. That's cool. Where do you go? C-C-T-W? <laughs> so in the G-O-E, in the Garden of Eden, as you dwell on the G-P-F-M, you know what that is? That's God's plan for mankind. Okay, you got to get all these down. So as, and, and as you consider and dwell on and look at this tree here in the HC, you should be able to get this one. Where are we at here? Chapter 21 and 22, the HC, the holy city. So as you consider, as you dwell on, as you look at this tree in the HC, it is very easy to see that it has been God's intention all along that man would live with him in fellowship forever. I hope you can see that. I mean, that, that preaches. It certainly preached to me when I was going through this. But when man rebelled against God's plan and got the boot out of the garden, someone uprooted this tree of life and planted it in the holy city, in the middle of the street. And this place is prepared for those who believe in him. The question that comes to my mind is, what is this tree of life? If you remember all the way back to chapter 2, you might want to look there to remind yourself, as Jesus is writing to the church of Ephesus in verse 7, Jesus says this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, we want to be overcomers. We've got to be overcomers. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Man, I like that. The NIV reads, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Man, I don't know about you, but we should be excited about that. Eating from this tree of life, this thing that was in the garden that Adam and Eve got booted away out of because of their sin, God has it here for us, his kids that have turned to him when he called us. Those who have allowed Jesus to be their first love. Don't, we don't want to be like the church in Ephesus here where they walk away from their first love. So we want to stay in love with Jesus that we might eat of this fruit of this tree. Verse 3, In this HC there shall be no more curse. Okay, maybe we didn't quite understand that. In this holy city there shall be no more curse. Curse. Yeah, that's only because Mike was at the first service. In this holy city, there shall be no more curse. Yeah. I'm thinking all of you should go to a Pentecostal church next week, figure it all out, and come back. Okay. In this holy city, there shall well, maybe you don't know what the curse is. Death, sin, trials, temptations, backache, sweat. The, the curse that sin... That, that, that sin brought into this world. It's the curse. In this holy city, there shall be no more curse. Amen. Pretty weak. <laughs> I guarantee you, you yell at your TVs and for your teams and others, and the, you know, the neighbor's dog, way louder than that. In this holy city, there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Now, please don't think you're going to scrub the floors. Or ladies, you're not going to pick up after your husbands. That's not, going to, that's not how you're going to serve him. You'll see at least one of your jobs when we get there in a couple minutes. Even though we live under the curse today, when we arrive in the HC here, no curse for those who turn to Jesus today. If you haven't turned to Jesus, you are still under the curse. Okay, one, one more 
test. How many thrones again here does it say? One. How many gods? One God. Trinity, tri meaning three. Uh, you know, entity, it's, it's the word that means unity, one. This is a um, definition right off the Billy Graham website. The Bible shows very clearly that there is only one God, and yet there are three personal distinctions in his complex nature, traditionally referred to as three persons in the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each is distinct from the others, but never acts independently. They are one in nature and purpose. This mystery is called the doctrine of the Trinity. And and like I said, you know, one day we will know even as we're known. But for now, in our finite minds and, and, and understanding, you know, it's maybe a little hard to grasp, but not if you go looking for it in the Scriptures. It's everywhere. Jesus is a couple hours away from being arrested. He's walking to the garden for that final prayer session. Philip says to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, I mean, he's been with them three years, right? Jesus has been pouring into these guys for three, three years. And Philip says, hey, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus says to him, have I been with you so long? And yet, have you not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And, and that probably sounds very, you know, we all know that. But do you know this? Do not believe, or do you not believe, this is what Jesus says to him. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you do not speak on my own, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me. Did you know the verse? I don't, I'm not positive I've ever seen that in the last 35 years of my Christianity. I know lots of them, maybe most of them, but I don't know if I know that one. It's there, John 14, 20. But the Father who dwells in me, Jesus says, does the works. And that's about as clear as it gets for understanding of the Trinity for me. Plus, when you go looking for them, man, it's everywhere. The cool thing about serving the Lord is our relationship with him is going to be face to face. Check out verse 4. It says, they shall see his face. Because we are his servants on this earth, we shall see his face for all eternity in heaven. I mean, that's a remarkable payout, team. I mean, think about what this will be like. Real FaceTime with Jesus Christ, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, our Lord. It's amazing. And his name will be on our forehead. So maybe we're going to get a little ink when we get to heaven or maybe just a name ban. I don't know how God's going to do that. But when God puts his name on our foreheads, when you put a name on something, it declares ownership. There'll never be a doubt, any doubt in any person's mind as to why you are or who you are in heaven because you will have that name from God. It's going to be on your forehead. We could say that God brands us, with, brands us little doggies because we live here in Texas. It's kind of a weird concept, but I think it's, it's the same because the seal of ownership is in the brand. You know, they're marks. You belong to another. You have the right to be here. Those are mine. And God's going to do that to us. There should be no night there, in case you missed it last week, chapter 21. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Obviously very important to God, because he does a repeat here. No night, all day. Okay, final, final questions of the day. Who's the one in verse 5 who illumines this city called the New Jerusalem, the holy city? What's your Bible read? Read it like it says. What does it say there? The Lord God. Thank you. So who is that? Well, look back at chapter 21, verse 23. Who is its light? What does it say? The Lamb is its light. So Jesus Christ is the Lord God who illumines the new Jerusalem. See, there, when you connect all these things together, you get a really good picture as how Jesus is God. 
and they, we're part of this they here team, and they shall reign forever and ever. How long is forever and ever? Forever and ever. And do you see one of your jobs here? I, don't even, I can't even fathom this. You look back at verse 3, we're going to serve him. How are we going to serve him? What, what's one of your jobs as you serve God for all of eternity? How does your Bible read here? I mean, think about what this looks like. You reigning with the Lord God forever and ever. I, I, that blows my mind. I, I don't, it's like, Lord, what is this? I don't know. But I'm open to it. It's going to happen. I mean, what's the alternative? Reigning with him forever or an enemy lost forever? Jesus died that, so, that whosoever will could come. Then he said to me, this angel leaning, leading John around, these words are faithful and true. Hey, pull those number verses out of your Bible because they are never originally written in this letter. Look how this reads. Last part of verse 5. And they shall reign forever and ever. These words are faithful and true. Man, that's mind-blowing. As a perfect angel declares the word of God to you and I, this is it. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show us his servants, plural. It's us, his servants. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must. Must is a verb. You should write that in there. Shortly is a noun. And what's a noun? Sorry, I guess I had one more question. It's a person, place, or a thing. It's not a verb. Shortly is not a verb here. It's a noun. He sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly, this event in God's heart and mind, take place. Now please, step into the shoes of these who are receiving this letter from John. Rome is hammering the church in 95, 96 AD. Christians are being killed. I don't know if they wake up in the morning and go, hey, how many went to heaven last night? But Rome is hammering the church. I wonder if they ever thought, hey, we're losing the battle. Well, not when they read this. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show them and us how the movie ends. We all win. This must happen. You see, see the thing in the church, the way God set this up, he set up the eminent, immediate return of Jesus from the beginning. Every church age is, has to be looking for that. See, that's what keeps the church sharp. That's what keeps the church awake, watching and ready for the return of Jesus. Church, now it's our time. This is our time. One of these days, the lost around you will be shocked when we're pulled out of here by Jesus. Look at verse 7 as Jesus speaks. Behold, I come quickly. We're going to hear that three more times before we finish this chapter. Four times total in C22. That would be C for chapter. It's important to remember that one day is as a thousand years with God. It's also important to remember that Jesus told us that when you see these things beginning to happen, know that it is near right at the door. Well, what things? How near are we? Well, what things? You should know those things. You find them in the Gospels. You find them in Mark 14 and Luke chapter 21. Let me remind us about those things that Jesus spoke of that are going to be going on in the last days. And I'm going to speak about things that are happening in our generation that have never happened in any other people's generation. First off, there's the return of the Jews into the land in 1948. In the 1800s, the Jews weren't back in the land. They're in the land today. The recapture of the old city in 1967. The rise of Russia as a superpower, or at least so they want to think they are. The revival of the old Roman Empire called the European Union. That, that, all of these things are happening in our lives today. 
the revival of the dark occult practices of Babylon, of drug use and immorality like crazy, the intense increase of natural disasters, tsunamis, earthquakes, fires, all of these things. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, know that your redemption is here. Wars and rumors of wars. There are 45 active wars as of 2018, off the 2018 data. Churches moving away from the truth and compromising with the world. God's word says that's what it's going to be like in the end, in the last days. Nonsense talk about a one world government or a one world religion. People in love with themselves so much. People in love with money and disobedient to parents like no other time in human history. That's in our day. Okay, how about some of the obvious things? Like the nukes. Disease epidemics. How many of these have you heard of? Black death, number one on the list. Yellow fever, mad cow, I add that. It didn't even make the list. Malaria, AIDS, polio, West Nile. It didn't make the list either. The two that you and I would know, mad cow, West Nile, it doesn't even get on the list on the World Health Organization. I went looking at some of these diseases. They are killing hundreds of thousands of people. They never make the news. They never make the news. How about the baby killing in our generation? 61 million abortions since 1973. And listen to this, 58% of them, last year's data in 2018, 58% of all abortions are done by women ages 20 to 29. See, it's society, the culture has been preaching a message and it's been ripping people off. That's in our day. You don't think God takes notice of that stuff? 357 million new STDs every year around the world, every year. That's 978,082 STDs every day of every day around the world. In our country alone, we are the highest producer of STDs in the westernized world. 20 million new STDs every year. Can we grasp that? 20 million in the U.S. alone every year. So how much is that? It's 54,794 new cases every day. And those are only the ones that are reported, and they say most of them are not reported. This is right off the CDC site, the Center for Disease Control. 54,794 new cases every day. You don't think God takes notice of that? 2,283 every hour. A new STD. 38 every minute. Every 1.57 seconds of every day of every year in our country, there is another new STD. 1,001 STD. 1,001 STD. And that just goes on and on and on. How is that? Because people are believing the lie that has fed them on all these multiple digital services. This is right off the CDC site, and I quote, while sexually transmitted diseases affect individuals of all ages, STDs take a particularly heavy toll on young people. CDC estimates that youth ages 15 to 24 make up just over one quarter of the sexually active population, but account for half of the 20 million new sexually transmitted infections that occur occur in the United States each year. 10 million amongst kids. 15 and 24, every year, 10 million. And you don't think God takes notice of that? The church hasn't, obviously. Because if we have, we'd be on our face praying because we would see, man, Jesus is coming back right now. We are so different in so many other ways and so many other ways than all the other generations that were before us. And we are not ready. Man, people get ready. Jesus is coming. And then you and I, we need to bring as many with us who are called. It's critical. Jesus says, behold, I'm coming quickly. 
Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. God has kept his word for us that we might do what it says. Wow, that's really profound. Yeah, but that's what it means. That's why God kept his words. is isn't so we could have something that's set on our counter or carry to church. No, it's so that we can do what it says. And in keeping it, because it's God's instruction manual, as you learn, read, and keep God's word, you're going to be blessed by receiving and doing all the benefits that are in his manual. You will be. You know those manuals you get with your phones or your DVD players? And I, I honestly, I've never been able to understand them, so I always give them to somebody. Like last yesterday, it's like, hey, Thad, can you figure this out? I don't. If you can read and understand those, those instruction manuals, those owner's manuals that come with your electronic devices, well, you discover all the hot functions. You discover all the blessings, all the shortcuts, all the things that are going to make your life better. Me, though? I only get the basic ones because that's all I can grab a hold of. But it's the same with the Word of God team. You have to read Him to know Him. And as you know Him, you discover all these blessings, all these shortcuts, all of these cool features as you find out about yourself and as you find out about God. See that word keeps in verse 7? It's present tense, active voice, with you and me, the subject, continually doing the word here. The Greek word for keeps is tereo, means, and it means to guard from loss or injury, or to watch. It's a word that a, a, a warden or a, a jailkeeper would use, to keep an eye on, to observe attentively, to attend to carefully. That's how we're to do the word of God, team. The main intent of prophecy is to lead us to trust, look ahead, and obey God as we apply his truth into our lives. I mean, that's why God speaks these things. That's why this whole book is here. So we would, re we would look ahead, we would recognize, wow, and then we would obey and apply his truth to our lives. That's why it's here. It's not here because he needed an ending. This is the ending, but it's here to motivate us. That's the, whole, that's the whole intent, the main idea behind prophecy. It causes us to look ahead and obey God, to apply his truth into our hearts. Verse 8, now I, John, saw and heard these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Isn't, that's the second time he's done this. We could call this a senior moment. He is 90 plus years old. This is the guy that walked with Jesus. He's the last of the original 12 apostles. Some would say he's 96 years old. So it could be a senior moment, but it, this is not a senior moment. Because look who's just entered the scene. What John sees here, this is so unbelievable that, Jesus, that John falls on his face. Because look what he saw there in verse 7. Wouldn't you fall on your face if that happened in your life? Behold, I'm coming quickly. You know, you might even know your own business, and all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Hey, behold, I'm coming quickly. Wouldn't that, what, turn to the person beside you and say, hey, behold, I'm coming quickly. Tell the other person. I mean, wouldn't it, wouldn't it kind of like shock you, wake you up, make you fall down or something? That's what John does. He, he face plants here, right into the ground. And the angels, being fully aware of Satan's fall by desiring the worship of men, look what this angel says, verse 9. He said to me, see, don't, don't do that. Get up. Don't worship me. For I am your fellow servant and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book, worship God. Now, the first, all of that, I don't understand any of that means, but I can, I can tell you what this means. Worship God. The obvious only option for the bride of Christ is to worship God. However, if you fail to worship the God of all creation, look out because people come up with some really wacky things to worship. You know, I'm not naive to think that all of us are born again going to heaven. I'm not. We're not. I would hope we are. So that means some are worshiping God and others are worshiping something else. 
So you got to stop worshiping something else and you got to worship God and God alone. However, if you fail to worship the God of all creation, look out. And he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand. Does that stir something in you? Does that get us a little excited? Wow, the time is at hand. All the way through this book, we are being reminded, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. The time is at hand. Are you ready? If we use heaven's math, when John wrote this, where one day is a thousand years with the Lord, it's only been plus or minus 45 minutes on God's clock. For us, it's been two days since Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus has not come yet, but who has come in his place? I'll tell you, mockers, critics, skeptics, false teachers, make-believers. But he's coming. See those words? Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book. Hey, listen, if Jesus isn't coming, then why are you here? Why am I here? What a waste of time if he ain't coming. If this is it, yeah. But if this isn't it, if there's more to come, today's the day to be living for it. You know, God's purpose in not sealing up the words of this book is so that this book can breathe and speak and excite and stir up. And as we heard yesterday at the men's conference, kick you in the rear if that's what it takes. This book tells you your eternal destiny. Verse 11, he was unjust, let him be unjust still. He was filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. I think what God's trying to tell us there is the time to be ready is right now. There's not going to be any time to get ready to repent or do anything when Jesus comes. It's now. And some of the final words of this book there are only two options right here. You can be unjust and filthy when you meet Jesus because you knew all about him in your mind or you can know Jesus in your heart and what he's done for you when you first trusted in him as the Lord of your life. A lot of people that know Jesus in the mind today. But the Bible is very clear. You have to know him in the heart. The mind is just the intellect, education, there's a lot of that religion and education out there in the name of Jesus today. The Bible is very clear. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I don't know. This is pretty obvious about which choice we should take here. You know, if what you have read and heard from Revelation has not changed you, what will? What's it going to take? One commentator put it this way, if the warnings of this book are not sufficient to change you, there is no more that God has to say. I'm just telling you what some old geezer said. As we live out loud a righteous life hidden in Christ, as we obey what Jesus has commanded us to do, he says we will this. We will shine before men. And they will see our good works and they will glorify, not us, because if they glorify us, then somehow they didn't see Jesus. But when we let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works, they're going to glorify our Father in heaven. See, if they're glorifying me when they see their good works, I'm always concerned. Because that's not, that's not godly. Verse 12, in case you missed it in verse 7, And behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Hope you can sense the, you know, kind of sense the urgency of Jesus in, in, in his words here. Jesus is so consistent in his message to the churches. Be ready, be alert, I'm coming. Reward day is just around the corner. Even before the cross, 
in numerous places before Jesus gets to the cross. And a multitude of parables, Jesus told his boys over and over and over. One's like Matthew 24, 44. Be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He told them. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I add, all others are counterfeits. These three titles that Jesus takes for himself is a great reminder to us all that Jesus is always present with us and always all at the same time. He's past, present, and future all at the same time. He sees it all because he's God. He's outside of the, you know, this whole past, present, and future thing. Punch these three titles that Jesus takes for himself in verse 13 in your Bible search engine, and you'll find that Jesus is also Elohim, Yahweh, Almighty God, and the Lord God. You want to see the Trinity? Well, do the, do the work. Well, I don't have a Bible program. You got a phone, Bible app, search engine, put these words in there, go looking for them. They're in the Old Testament as well as the New. Why? Because Jesus is God. He's all over the place. Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments. In case you missed it, the other three times. Blessed is he or she who keeps, verse 7, who keeps the words of this book. Verse 9, according to his or her work. Verse 12, and now for the fourth time, in verse 13, Jesus was reminding us who are his as some activity here, church, and for good reason. Blessed are those who do his commandments that we may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the holy city. You see, the activity I do, the things I do for Jesus, that doesn't get me into heaven. No, it only proves that Jesus lives in and, and is the Lord of my life. I get into heaven because of the blood of Jesus Christ, period. And if there's any, and if there's any truth to that, Oh, it's seen. It's, it can be seen. But outside, verse 15. Outside, because these men were alive, walking, spiritually dead men while on this earth. Outside are dogs, false teachers, sorcerers, pharmakos, right out of the... Greek dictionary, the using of drugs for the purpose of altering the mind. That includes legal marijuana. Yeah, but the government made it legal in some places, bro. I've heard that since I've been out here. Oh, come on. Little marijuana is not that big of a deal. It's legal in places. Well, you know what? The world made abortion, adultery, new beaches, prostitution, and shooting up legal too. You want to argue your case some more? Just because the world makes it legal doesn't make it right. God has set us free from these things when we're born again. Man, we are new creatures in Christ. And the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices the lie, just like we saw in the last chapter, the make-believers, they put their mask on on Sunday and they put it in the glove box when they leave the, before they leave the parking lot. They're all outside. We saw that last week too. They're all outside. Now please, please don't think they're lurking outside the city wall seeking to find an entrance into the city. You know, they're kind of watching the gates and when they're open, they're going to try and run in. Well, no, first of all, remember the gates are always open. You know, these dogs and vile people and liars, the fake believers, I mean, they're not outside the wall like we think. Well, they kind of are. They're just a lot farther away than we might think. Jesus says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. Who's the author of this book team? Tell your neighbor. Tell your other neighbor. We're a little, con don't we have a little, I mean, really? Who's the author of the book? It's pretty, look, it's an open book test. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you. I mean, Jesus places his stamp on the entirety of this book. And please notice that the entirety of this letter was written to the churches. Plural, passed down through the ages. 
Jesus wants us to know and understand this book. I'm the root and the offspring of David. Jesus was born through the lineage of David. Only he could take that title to himself. I am the bright and the morning star. It's another title that Jesus takes for himself. And the spirit and the bride say, come. I like this. Our, Our response is the same as God's. God says, come. And we say, come. And let him who hears say, come. That's the heart of God here. And let him who thirsts, our our response is, come. Consider this, team. Because in order to come, something had to happen. What Jesus had for us was never going to be available to us unless he died. Kind of like a will today. You know, you have a will. I hope you do if you have kids. You know, it's all written out. It's useless till you die. Jesus was never going to be able to redeem us unless he died. As long as Jesus lived, God's new covenant would never, ever be able to go into effect. But when the God-man, the testator, the one who made the will and testament, when he died, that will or that new covenant became effective one nanosecond after Jesus died. Probably faster than a nanosecond. He died, boom, effective. You see, his death brought immediate immediate cleansing, forgiveness, pardon, fellowship, and the promise of eternal life to come to this present world. Now here's the obvious team. No man has ever died to make his will valid and then come back to life so he could execute that will. But the God-man did. It was his will. He wrote it. He died. He came back to life and he executes it. You know, today in our country, this is the executing of a will The executor is always done by lawyers and someone that's named in the will. That person becomes the executor of the will who's named in the will. But Jesus, because he had you in mind, he joyfully went to the cross and died to activate the will so that the beneficiaries, that's us, would be able to receive. And you reject that? Jesus rose from the dead that he might execute and be the executor of his will and give to all whosoever would come. Jesus died so he could set in motion the terms of the will. You want to know who's named in the terms of the will? You open up the will, whose names are in it? You know, you open it up, this guy gets the cat, this guy gets the the dog, this guy gets the painting. When you open up Jesus' will, you want to know who's named in it? It's one word, whosoever. Whosoever will come and receive the free gift from Jesus. That's who's in his will. So who can come to Jesus today? Well, it says, all who hear, whosoever will, all who thirst, and all who desire. You know, God's going to never twist anybody's arm or force anybody into heaven. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Wow. As I was thinking about that this morning, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. That's the same water that Jesus offered the Samaritan woman. Remember that Samaritan woman he met at the well at noon? The one who knew all of the men in her city, if you know what I mean? The one who had been married five times and was presently living with a dude out of wedlock, Jesus offered her this living water. Oh, but I'm so bad I can never come. You're crazy. Look at that lady. Jesus offered it to her. Today the door is wide open. The invitation is to whoever desires. Well, I would, but... Friend, you don't have it tonight, let alone a tomorrow. It's today. 
Today's the day of salvation. You know, please don't waste your time cleaning yourself up before you come. That's religion. Jesus cleans the fish he catches. He always has. Have you ever come to the pure rivers of living water? Desire to drink in the crystal rivers of living water someday? You gotta come. No one's gonna be turned away. Jesus didn't condemn the adulterous woman or turn the unclean leper away. No way. He touched the leper and said, be cleansed. And he said, there's no condemnation coming from me, lady. Now go and sin no more. I expect to see both of them in heaven. This was my 3.30 in the morning thought. Jesus even healed the ear of the guard that was arresting him so he could turn and murder him. What have you done? Not that. Jesus called the one who was putting his bride to death. Listen, don't, don't listen to the lies. Surrender and come to Jesus now. Critical. Allow the blood of Jesus to wash you, to take away your sin. Receive God's best for you right now. That's why he died. That's why he rose again, so he can execute the will, so he can offer you these things. Jesus will take away all of your sin. You unsaved man or woman that's here, or that's listening. And he will give you life and that more abundantly. But you got to stop running and you got to turn to him and receive. I've heard it many times. Well, you know, I'd turn to Jesus, but my sin, I'm going to sin again, blah, blah, blah. Hey, welcome to the club. We're all a bunch of sinners saved by grace. We're going to sin every day. Hopefully we confess every day and we repent and we get it right with Jesus. Because if you don't think that way, then you're probably a Pharisee looking down on everybody. We all sin. We're sinners. But hopefully we sin less as we walk with the Lord. Maybe we think it more in our mind before we act upon it. But you got to come. It's kind of the last altar call in this book here. Verse 18, it's for the Christians. It's actually a warning. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. That's all of us. You know, we've all raised our right hand and placed our left hand in the Bible. Yep, so help me God. You know, and, and so this is all of us. Yeah, it's all true. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And I started thinking, what plagues? Well, just punch in your Bible program plagues. They'll take you right to Revelation. You know those bowls, those seals, those vials? Those things. Who would want those added to them? You want to tamper with this book and add things in here? You're in big trouble. You're not getting in. Now, the subject matter of the possibility of adding things in is unlimited. Jesus will not really vomit the lukewarm church out of his mouth. I mean, why would he do that? He's a God of love. Listen, you've just added words to Jesus. It's being preached today. The sexually immoral living that lifestyle will not be cast out. Uh Uh-oh, you just added words to Jesus. Uh Uh-oh. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. You want to tamper with this book and take away? Man, you're crazy, and you're in big trouble. You're not going to get in. And again, the subject matter on the possibility of taking things away from this book is unlimited. Well, Jesus already came. God's done with Israel. We're kind of living this book in a spiritual sense. Now, I don't know if that's taking away. I'll tell you what, I don't want to be in that line, though. Seems like it's taken away. I don't know, though. All I know is this. I just want to teach all of God's Word and let it lay out there and not have to know it all and allow His living Word to work in my heart. And I'm certainly not going to add to or take away from. He who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming quickly. Who said that? Third time, Jesus tells his bride, that's us, in this chapter, I am coming quickly. 
I remember the first time I learned this when I was saved from my death and my sin. And someone said, hey, do you realize Jesus is coming back? What? And they showed me in the Bible. Man, it changed my life on the spot. Because I believed it. It was in God's word. It's going to happen. You know, all of this that we're wrapped up in today, it's going to burn. Only that which you do for the cause of Christ do you pay forward. And as you pay, pay it forward, it is awaiting you and your entrance into heaven. This is my four o'clock in the morning crazy thought. You get to the holy city we just looked at because you allowed Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life on this earth. You get your house number and so you go to your, you go to your mansion, your 320-acre mansion, and there inside is all of your treasure and the crowns that you sent ahead to heaven. Now, it's not going to be like that. Trust me, I'm wrong. It's not even close to that. But I'll tell you this. The mansion, the sending of treasure ahead, and the crowns, all that's there because Jesus said it's there. I just, I, I just don't know how it's going to be distributed or how it's going to look or how that's going to be. But I can guarantee you this. It's going to be there. And it's awaiting you. See, if this book, these final words of Jesus are surely I'm coming quickly, if that doesn't bring about lasting life change in my life to where it causes me to constantly be looking up and setting my mind on things above and, and seeking to seize those opportunities that God puts before me and declaring the gospel, I'm missing it somewhere. And I'm in need of some major prayer and fasting. The book ends like this, amen, even so, come Lord Jesus. Wow, kind of the reoccurring theme. And our response to this, come Lord Jesus, is, yeah, Lord, come and get us out of here. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen does not mean close the book, it's over. You know, amen, you know, you pray, you know, la, 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 in Jesus' name, Amen. You know, Jesus' name is not the male person. Amen is not, okay, God, I'm done. You can go about your own business. No, amen means so be it. Make it happen. It's going to happen. That's what that means here. All of this is going to happen. So where are you going to be found? Father, we're thankful for all that you want to do in our lives.